We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helpin. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL Podcast. John McKechnie here in the bunker with Mario Puig. We are, you know, we are about 30 hours away from, from first tweaking. pick time. It is, yep, we, we've both had probably borderline illegal amounts of caffeine uh, today. I'm on like I don't even know which cup of coffee this is, but we're we're both on our grind as far as I'm closing our mocks in on. Going. Oh, sorry, I'm closing in on my like tenth uh, hour of sleep in the past three days uh, oh. during the show. So if I don't respond, like please respect me and leave me alone. I have the poking pool cue in here to you know to stoke more conversation if you do pass out. So we're good. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, that whole thing where uh, the draft is tomorrow. You want to talk about it? No, but I guess we have to, and um, yeah, I, I will say right now, like I, I have a th- three-round mock that I'm going to post in the morning tomorrow, but right now I can spoil it and say I fully believe the first three picks are going to be Sam Darnold, and then in some order, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen in the first three picks. Okay, I think th- I think if there's a big like surprise in the first two picks, it would be Baker Mayfield to the Giants. Um, there just hasn't really been anyone on that yeah there's there's been no one connecting those two really and it would make a lot of sense because it's like if you want to have like the big face of the franchise in new york city it's like baker mayfield's the perfect temperament for that because you you know a bunch of uh you know people barking at him on the street or like new york media tough guys or something like he'll just you know talk trash you know keep pace with them as far as like randy johnson a few years back when he was on the yankees and he was getting barked at by the by like a reporter down the street, and he comes right back at him. Oh, I didn't see that. Did he just like send him a dot gif of the bird? He was just, yeah, he was just. I'm Randy Johnson. You know, I'm six foot ten, and I'm. I will make you your up. head explode with a baseball. <laughs> Watch it. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Okay, so you you have Mayfield. I think I think it's a very distinct possibility that Mayfield ends up at one of those two New York City. Teams. I think he's going to New York City, definitely. So. You think it's more likely that he ends up on the Jets, or you, you still think Giants, or is that more just kind of like an outside hunch? 
I really don't know because it's so hard to tell how sincere the league might be about the Josh Rosen um, concern trolling. Basically, like, I think that I think that's a going to be you know out the window. I think that Rosen ends up going in the top three as well. I don't I don't see yeah. a slide. I think when it when push comes to shove, a team's going to be like, okay, this guy's ready to start for us right now. Like let's let's just go ahead and get him. Like it, it's so foolish to be concerned about uh, his political leanings or like what he says on Twitter. Uh, when none of it's like actually even that bad, he's just kind of speaking his opinion. And like, if that's like your ding on him, then like, I don't know how you're running an NFL team. And what has he done that's actually like offended anybody? At worst, right? At worst, his personality is basically the same as Aaron Rodgers, which they're not going to say it. I'm sure that a lot of people in the league don't like him either. They think he's uppity. Yeah, and they, they, they resent him for uh, owning the fact that he's the best. Mm-hmm. And I can see that, you know bothering them personally like maybe they're like oh i hate that guy but they still want him on their team and in a league where we see these teams you know biting the bullet and saying like uh, i guess we're gonna have to give 16 million dollars to mike glennon and you know hope that works out are they really going to be at once that desperate generally and then also so principled in their Choosy. opposition to uh you know this I don't even know what they think of him. Like they probably don't have like a coherent reason for disliking him other than like he he doesn't he doesn't grovel to anyone, you know? So it's it'd be pretty petty in a way that it would be I think unprecedented even for these people if they were like, well, he does grade objectively as like our, you know, uh, the kind of quarterback we can only realistically pick once every 3 years or something like that, but I'm willing to test my luck on that one. Let's go uh, with Eli for the next three years, and <laughs> we'll maybe it'll work out. I don't know. Maybe we can find someone who sucks three years from now, but at least has a good soldier attitude, and uh, we can keep losing, and it'll all work great. And, and like, what's what's you know crazy to me also is that like Rosen also like had pretty much like a pro style system, unlike most of these other guys coming. So you know, like the you know the the standard you know bottom line thing that that people will like to. Uh, you know complain about is like oh that that transition you know Rosen was like awesome to to tight ends and he's able to adjust once he lost his two top targets last year I mean like this guy can just operate uh, no matter what and get the most out of his supporting cast I mean I I think that he made Jordan lastly a draftable prospect from someone that probably wasn't even gonna go to the combine I mean he just makes everyone better yeah it's just my bottom line spiel on him so I mean I, I think that he he definitely I can see, slide. yeah, I can see some team that hates him just still picking him. Like they, they, they might, they might be grumbling, you know, texting some, you know, reporter like, uh, we think he's a real turd, and uh, these we we sure don't like him, but uh, please let us pick him. Yeah, and then the reporter like tweets it out, and then like the envelope comes up, and it's for Josh Rosen. Yeah, so, we hate him, but we need him is what they'll conclude. I think. Okay, so then you know. Based on what we've just been talking about, so that means we both agree that number one is Darnold then? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I, I think so too. It's not going to be Josh Allen. No. Like, I'm so... I mean, everyone knows... Everyone's sick of it, I guess, one way or the other, but, man, it is amazing how, how much bang for their buck uh, the the ro- uh, the uh, Josh Allen interest got for their... Uh, for, like, the media being so obsequious toward him. Like, it's, it's weird because it's like... I remember like a month ago maybe even just a few weeks ago even josh allen's fans were like maybe we pick him in the late first round you know late first round is that okay there wasn't anyone who would you know whine at you on twitter for saying josh allen shouldn't be the first pick now there are those people there are people who name search for josh allen to be like you don't know anything if you ever played football he's got great arm he's going to be great as the first overall selection it's like, where did you people come from? Who taught you these stupid talking points? I don't. Oh, get right. It. You watch TV like every second of your consciousness, and this is all that anyone's talked about. McShay and Kuyper, just Josh Allen is really going to be great. So it's like, yeah, you 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 watch that enough times, and you're like, hey, I'm informed. I should go yell at some people on the internet. There's like like a, basically been like a fetishization of him, where it's like at the combine, like everyone got real quiet when he was throwing, or, or like at his pro day, like it was just like Mayock just being so excited about if that was a harpoon it would have killed a human being (laughs) what 
I've 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 had so many harpoons deflect off me from weaklings throwing them at me, and it, I'm like they're just, I'm not just thankful to... it wasn't Josh Allen any of those times. Yeah, no kidding, because otherwise I'd yeah I'd be uh, I'd be screwed. But um... but yeah, I I talked about this a little bit on the radio yesterday, I think. But uh, it's it really has become like this spiritual thing for these old guard NFL guys. Like they've they've kind of projected onto Josh Allen the significance as if he's like a messiah, you know, going coming in to save them from from the uh the advancing horde of calculator holding uh baseball idiots. Because everyone everyone sees the numbers on him and they see like the historical trends of quarterbacks that have the numbers that Josh Allen does and it's like, oh well, you know, there's just that whole 90% chance that he isn't as good as we say because you know, everything it points against him succeeding in the at the NFL, but I mean, he's, if he, if he's good, we look like just genius he's another salvo against you know the sashy brown kind of uh group of interests that has tried to infiltrate the league in recent years people who will take the jobs of these old guard guys who are hostile toward evidence and knowledge because they're smarter than them they know that and they're they're invested in you know sabotaging that movement at large and keeping it you know stuck in 1990s football um i think they're so drunk on their own hubris and their their own you know self estimation that they're just they've successfully deluded themselves and they've they they look at Josh Allen and they think aha I remember Carson Wentz I liked him this is pretty much the same thing and it's not the same thing and even if they were right about Carson Wentz they shouldn't feel so emboldened because these are the same people who would have definitely hated Deshaun Watson last year and talked the same trash about him that they do about Lamar Jackson now. So it's a culture war. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. And they got too swept up in it, and they're going to look foolish for it. But uh, what do they care? They're, they're used to losing. It's pretty much what they do. Yeah, they, they run they run the teams. They, they get up into the – they get a, these high draft picks, and they just, you know, screw – you know, continually – But he's going to Buffalo, to be clear. Yeah. He's going to Buffalo. Do you – where – oh, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about a, a few trade possibilities that could happen early in the draft. I think it starts – with with the Giants at two, but I'm not sure. I don't think that they move off of that personally. But I yeah, think I, I think so. four for Cleveland. It, mm-hmm. I think that deserves a little bit more talk than it than yeah. what it's been getting because I mean you know Cleveland walks away with Darnold, and then they don't really like need a Bradley Chubb. I think everyone thinks that if the, Cleveland yeah. sticks there, then Chubb would be the guy. I guess I kind of concede that myself. And I don't believe that personally because it's like they already have Garrett Ogba. Jamie Collins can play defensive end and they might need to have him play some defensive end because Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey have emerged as three down players. Right. And they got that contract on Collins. What are they going to do? Cut him or use him somehow? Fair. So, okay. So Cleveland, it would make sense for them to move back because there's going to be team. There's going to be a team that wants to move up in front of Denver just in case Denver wants a quarterback. Um, so I think Cleveland holds a lot of power mm-hmm. at that number four spot, and I'm interested to, interested to see what happens. In my first mock, I had I had Buffalo pulling the trigger and going up to number four. Um, lately, I've been more thinking that maybe Indianapolis trades back again to like twelve. In Them, the- if not Cleveland, I'm pretty sure trades back. I don't know about I don't. I guess Denver would be open to it. I don't know what to guess their ambitions are at quarterback because I can imagine them being relatively okay with Keenum and you know, basically open-minded about what to do, depending on what offers they get and who they think they can get at the picks that they trade back to within those offers. But I don't expect them to take Josh Allen, and I I really don't have any grounds for saying why, but, I mean, it's there's something to the fact that, you know, they did pursue Case Keenum. It was a fallback after Kirk Cousins, yes, but both of those guys are sharp contrasts to whatever theoretical utility Josh Allen provides. Like if you believe in those guys, you probably don't believe in Josh Allen. Well, I guess my my rationale is, you know, Case Keenum has has like his niche. He 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 does or he's good at what he does, and I know that Josh Allen brings different things to the table. But I think the main point with I guess Allen would be like if he goes to a place like Denver where they're paying Keenum for the next two years, and I think the I think we can both agree that. Allen's not the kind of guy that's going to be ready week one this year, if ever. So I think the whole buying time 
and having him get you know seasoned under a veteran for two years I think would be the rationale behind Denver possibly feigning an interest towards him that is true but also the ways that Josh Allen is bad and a lot of his theoretical selling points are pretty similar to Paxton Lynch and Mm -hmm. if they could see first time firsthand how useless these physical tools are when you can't actually play the game would they like to fall for that at a much higher price twice in a row i don't they could do it i don't think john elway is a good gm this is a franchise that drafted tim tebow in the first round yeah that that might have been heavily under the influence of josh mcdaniels though and he's just kind of a goof but i don't know I, i don't think that highly of john elway and yet i still struggle to see them being that bad at learning lessons Mm -hmm. who knows but yeah for that reason i'm just kind of not that i feel strongly about it but i feel the need to guess that denver does not take him um but maybe it doesn't matter maybe because they trade up to four instead of six and it's a moot point um but yeah i think i think denver goes with quentin nelson or maybe maybe chubb i mean they're they're a weird team because they have fourth they're run by vance joseph he's a 4-3 guy their defensive coordinator has just been like a 4-3 secondary coach guy's whole career okay they've ran that 3-4 because wade phillips was running it before they got there Mm -hmm. maybe they take chubb and kind of just go into a 4-3 without announcing it i don't know um but i I would think denver has more use for chubb than probably cleveland as much as you know you you don't necessarily need to worry about immediate returns it's like you you try to get the best players maybe chubb is that I'm common, I'm kind of agnostic on that. I think Derwin James should go ahead of him. I do too. So I I still think Derwin James is being overlooked by the general media. Like it's kind of they're talking about him like a ten to fifteen. I pick. saw him fall to sixteen in a pretty major mock draft earlier no. this week. I was pretty surprised. Not unless he has bodies on him. Like if he didn't killed anybody, then he's not. If he didn't kill anybody, he's not falling to sixteen. <laughs> well, then the the counter would be that it, the sixteen is Baltimore. Uh, that'd be great for you. I mean, I, I hope it happens. Or I guess I shouldn't say that because then I'm saying I hope he killed somebody. But uh, I hope he hasn't killed anyone and also goes to your raven somehow. That, that would be skeptical be, as I, I am th- about that. God, I don't think they deserve it. I don't think they deserve a player as good as he is right now. So, um, all right. So let's say that Denver stands pat and they go uh, with Nelson. Um, so six comes up. D- do you see any way that Indianapolis stays there either? I guess they could if it's, you know, especially if Chubb is on the board, they're going to switch from a 3-4 to a 4-3. So Indianapolis could definitely use him. Uh, he'd probably be their best defender from day one. Right. But I don't know, or uh, yeah, along with Malik Hooker anyway, but I don't, I don't think they stay there if Cleveland hasn't traded back. Like if Cleveland stays at four and makes a pick, I'm projecting Derwin James because I I just I don't know what else to project there. Mm-hmm. But if Cleveland doesn't trade back, it means Josh Allen is on the board. I think so. If he's on the board at six, Buffalo trades there. Right, and Buffalo, you know, in case you haven't been following along, they they have more than enough of the of the trade capital and draft capital to go ahead and and make that move. And then I think Indianapolis. I mean, there's a way that like this first round could fall where Indianapolis trades back at least one more time maybe even twice and like they just they basically have the second round of themselves because they already have what like three second round picks as it stands right now and they're all like pretty early on uh in that round if i remember correctly so yeah they have picks number 36 37 as as the time of the recording um and then pick 49 so i mean that it's three picks in the first like 20 of the second that's gonna be hard to even get that many draft picks on their roster um yeah, if you have like six picks in the first two rounds, then uh, you gotta keep your fourth round much. pick isn't making the no, team. Nope, sorry about it. So uh, yeah, maybe they. I don't know what they're gonna do. Maybe they try to more so acquire picks in 2019 than necessarily in j- this draft specifically. But I do think if if they're at six and Allen is on the board at six, Buffalo is going there. Okay, okay. So then, um, so Allen's off the board now. So now we got uh, we have what four quarterbacks off the board yeah uh, with Darnold Mayfield uh Rosen one Allen. alleged three confirmed yeah. uh, and then so I guess Tampa Bay I think we both see them making the pick at, at number seven yeah um I think we have differences of opinion on who they go with but I'm basing it more on the Giants 
following through on the whole Saquon Barkley thing. I, I'm I'm in that camp personally. Fair enough. Um, and I think that with that, um, Tampa goes Derwin James at seven. Yeah, I don't think Derwin gets past seven. That's one thing that, well, I guess in this scenario, I, I leave open the possibility because I have Chubb also on the board. But if, if Chubb is on the board at seven, it's because Derwin went at four. And if Derwin doesn't go at four, probably because Chubb went there. Right. But uh, I do think that four to seven range is where Derwin goes for Tampa Bay. It'd be a huge hit. They're in a, they're looking pretty good for their spot. I think cause like everybody who's plausibly there, at least one player who will definitely be there will almost certainly be a big need for them. Yes. Like if it's, if Chubb and Derwin are somehow both gone, they that's because they get Saquon Barkley. And if Barkley's gone, then one of Derwin or Chubb is probably going to fall to them and they need all those guys. They really do. Um, I, I know that Mike Clay, uh, cooks up his like uh unit by unit rankings for each team and tampa bay dead last as far as its running back situation not that not that you needed to know that you're, you're well aware but if they I, had I, jeremy mcnichols they'd it. be all the way up at like 20 or something but they had to go and they stay did, with yeah, the they, fullbacks they went full on peyton barber interesting yeah. um okay so so uh tampa bay let's say that they end up with one of those three guys chubb uh derwin james um, or Saquon Barkley, so number so pick number eight comes into into the fold, and you think that Chicago might move off of this, and I think that's actually an interesting idea. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. So I didn't have any specific reason to target the Bears with the trade projection, but I think it makes sense that if Allen goes in a trade up, that a trade up is how Lamar Jackson is acquired mm-hmm. because. Last year, it's easy to forget this, but last year people were going into the draft as in like this exact same point in the process. The day before the draft, people were like, "So do do we think Deshaun Watson goes in the first round? He he, he has all these concerns. These scouts have these concerns about his ability to pass in the NFL. He might not go in the first round. The, the league isn't that high on him. All Browns the same, can get him in the second. Yeah, all the same things that they're saying about Lamar Jackson this year and. Houston traded up to 12 to get him yes so it's like I projected him in that that draft to fall to Houston I think at 25 or wherever they started out if 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 that same scenario is basically happening this year maybe it's too much to expect Lamar Jackson to go sooner than Deshaun Watson did but how stupid would these people be if they watched how wrong they were about Deshaun Watson and then thought like well, maybe maybe we should try the same thing again, and maybe it'll be better this time. I don't think so, and I think quarterback is scarce enough, and these people are desperate enough that even if a team isn't that sold on Lamar Jackson, they still might make the same conclusion, like we have to trade up and take Lamar Jackson because do we want to do that, or do we want to trade back to 35 and take Kyle Laletta? It's like that's basically what your option is, unless you want to try to uh, I don't know get Chase Litton ready for week one or something like that. Yeah, hey, I like Chase Litton as like a six-round guy. I bet he goes in like the third because these teams are just so thirsty for big boys I mean, who a, throw he's footballs. Pretty, he's yeah. a pretty tall guy. So yeah, I yeah. This that. is like I don't even. I know that Josh Allen has a stronger arm than Chase Litton, but at least can you Josh Allen freaks be a big fan of Chase Litton in the second round? Like yeah. that's that would be proportionate, wouldn't it? I think I think so because I mean Litton does all of the same stuff and like has the similarly. And he, like, th- he was productive in college, but yeah. At probably like well maybe not a higher level but not a lower right one. on the same par yeah um so yeah i i think Litton kind of does get slept on a little bit. i think he does kind of uh have that potential Comp pick to in get, the third round yeah okay i could see that um, Brock I mean, Osweiler I mean, no, like cody kessler got drafted on on day two not too long ago so i mean yeah the quarterbacks get pushed up the board so you think so with this trade up uh to number yeah, eight so we think it's arizona then I think Arizona makes a lot of sense and not I don't know they might not have that much in terms of you know expendable capital but they are desperate for a quarterback and they have nothing. They have well they just spent a bunch of money on Bradford and Glennon and it's like I I can see that that signing and that those signings means that they don't intend to start a rookie. I mean, that's like a MacGyver type of approach to a, to a quarterback <laughs> situation. It's you know like taping a you know a lint roller to a it's a Rube stick. Goldberg with like many perilous explosives <laughs> along the line. Yeah, it's 
it's it's really weird with the roster they have if they go ahead with it and the thing is is like bradford at most is a one-year even in theory kind of option we don't know if he can play a game we still don't know if he can complete a football game like the last time he tried to do that he couldn't do it after sitting out with like a well we don't know he's he's day-to-day for like six weeks or whatever it Mm -hmm. was after we were told well they thought he might have torn one of his ligaments in his knee the problem is there's so much scar tissue that MRIs can't crack his tissue anymore and see where the ligaments are. Yeah, it just are. came back with the shrug emoji when we when we held up the imaging. Yeah, <laughs> we we zoomed in on the knee and it appears to be a, a, a colon, a hyphen, and a backslash. <laughs> and uh, well, that's not a that's not a frowny face. We we don't know if it's a frowny face, but he's not smiling. We know that for sure. the The knee is not smiling. So yeah, to your point, uh, Bradford certainly not the long term, uh, you know, solution in Arizona. So I think Lamar going there would be awesome. Um, I'm I don't even know if Arizona needs to trade up to do it. But like you said, I mean, things just kind of get hectic once once trades trades up start going like they. That momentum kind of carries like on. When you for nervously a bit. drink caffeine a little faster than you think you are, and, and Josh Allen goes at six, and then you you realize like, oh my, uh, Philip Rivers is thirty seven. Uh, Joe Flacco has been not elite for several years now. Maybe we shouldn't assume that those teams won't try to trade up for Lamar Jackson, but it makes sense for Steve Wilkes, their new coach specifically, to be on board with it because whatever orthodoxy he comes from. He was in Carolina the past four years or whatever it was, and he knows from having to practice against Cam Newton what a great tactic, the, the tactical uh, possibilities of having a runner like Lamar Jackson, and not just a runner, the way he can at once put uh, like shallow pressure on the defense with the run, and then the vertical stress of co- going off you know the zone read fake throwing deep with his you know lightning quick release that mm-hmm. goes very easily downfield. It's the exact same uh, set of traits that made Deshaun Watson so successful, too. It's, it doesn't even really matter how good of an underneath passer he is because the defense doesn't have to really defend the short pass necessarily. They have to defend the short run. You kind of get the same stress. Uh, the sum of stress on the defense is basically the same. And if they don't you know, lean forward to neutralize that run threat, you have a fast receiver go deep and Lamar Jackson's getting them in single coverage every time. So that's the way it can work. And you know Cam Newton little bit different i think he's a more polished passer than deshaun watson and, and lamar jackson are but the thing is it's like he wilkes knows how much it sucks to have to defend both of those things mm-hmm. and uh i think arizona is a really good spot for lamar in terms of you know like region because he gets to play in that dome uh, not that the, i don't have any concerns about him playing in cold weather but i, I do want him in a ideally warm area just because that's kind of like where you know stats tend to occur best that's true um another team that is sort of picking up some steam i was watching espn last night and i mean i i think that this team is run you know like a circus or something but uh the way the draft board fell on like this espn like writers nation mock it had josh rosen falling and then it had miami taking him at 11 do you think miami is is a team that could trade up and or at least like address quarterback in the first round i because like i personally don't see it i think they have too much tied into Tannehill is and, very and expensive for, for at least for like i think two, two more years, years. Yeah. so that's the problem and like i don't think that uh you draft a guy that high to sit him for two years not in, not in today's nfl i think they would take one if it felt i think if rosen fell to 11 they would take him i don't okay. know that they if i think they would trade up for anybody i don't i really want to believe they wouldn't take lamar jackson if he's there at 11 because if he goes to miami i'm just gonna leave like society and everything that's where he's from like uh, just gonna go into the ocean and just see where it takes me fair enough i I would understand that i mean i couldn't blame you i know he would probably like the the region and everything but stephen ross it's all because because of people like jerry jones and arthur blank being in the league stephen ross gets off the hook for being such an egregiously bad owner just a dumb guy um yeah but he's he's a billionaire so whatever he thinks he thinks is you know infallibility the word of god given form and uh, there's there's no way to stop him from doing stupid things. I hope Lamar Jackson isn't there because I I know the way that guy thinks is probably like, ooh, uh, projected revenues from you know 
playing up the Miami brand, bringing in the hometown hero, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it it makes sense. It's like he he would bring in enthusiasm for the Dolphins that the Dolphins don't at all deserve as an organization. Yeah, they they really don't. But I I still just think that uh, as much as Miami would like to do something like this, I think you bring up a good point, too, that like if Rosen is there at 11, they'll just like take him and just figure it out after that. But I think Tannehill presents too big of a, a cap strain uh, right now for Miami. to like it, Miami's an interesting team to, to talk about in this, but I think from a realistic standpoint, uh, I just don't necessarily see them uh, going quarterback. I don't think they trade is all that I really okay. feel sure of. That's I mean, I think that's a, that's a pretty good way of putting it. Um, Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Let's talk about um, some more running backs um, because the the way that this first round sets up, I mean, beyond Barkley, I don't think there are any sure things to go in the first round. And not that they they don't deserve to. I think you and I both agree that, uh, you know, between Darius Geis, Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, Ronald Jones, and Royce Freeman, and even Rashad Penny, like those are all guys deserving of like, you know, first two round consideration um and a couple of those guys deserving of you know top 30 consideration but yeah it's just the way the team needs are setting up especially in the 20s where like taking a running back would you know kind of make some sense it just doesn't really work for me I think that the Lions at 20 are about where I see the next running back after Barkley going yeah I don't know what I expect to happen as far as the second running back because it wouldn't surprise me if there was only one running back that went in the first round especially if there's any legs to this I mean it's it's nonsense to me but this stuff about Darius Geis where they're saying you know he's an odd character perhaps a bad one because uh wears strange clothes sometimes and Alvin Kamara is out there like doing crazy stuff all the time with like and they you know, didn't really, like him really super famous people but they didn't you know, like when, him that's when, that, when you're good you're good yeah the league got away with that one way too easily there's like it's like we go into this draft and in my opinion like at least the media are overly conflating Michelle to Kamara and I, I like I can imagine Sonny Michelle being basically like a you know a good pass catching running back threat who is otherwise explosive but however he is he's not Kamara like, like they're different aesthetically there's just not much similarity there and um it's like instead of just saying it coming out and admitting like yeah, we knew he was that good. We just pushed him to the third round because he has like gold teeth or whatever. They're instead, you know, just kind of like absolving themselves of that ridiculous error, and it 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 was just culture war crap. They, lo- they well, they also love to. I mean, not to get like off on like this crazy Alvin Kamara tangent, but like they also love just like pointing the finger at butch jones instead and just being like well he, did, he was a backup at tennessee so we thought he was gonna be a backup <laughs> yeah um yeah these guys these guys are wrong a lot and uh don't claim those uh, errors very often i mean you saw the greg gabriel tweet where <laughs> i've never been wrong on a quarterback eval it's like never missed it was like so, once. eric galcos is like uh what about what about some quarterbacks you how many or what quarterbacks have you been wrong on and just responds quote none yeah period <laughs> that was the best and then they, and that know, guy is the down. league that is the nfl is that guy this this He's this fogey some years crotchety guy who's just mad at all the computers he sees and all these baggy pants like that's who the nfl is and they can't help it sometimes like they they look at kamara and they're like wow he's good but uh, that nose ring like why is it in, in one nostril i don't want to do, do i want a hip-hop running back like that's that's the thing that they th- think sometimes and sometimes they can resist it they sometimes they're like oh, i hate this guy i'm gonna pick him anyway i'm gonna pick percy harvin even though i don't like him even though i don't like adam jones i'm gonna pick him which you know that was the one time it would have been good to use that uh culture war uh, impulse maybe avoided picking the the guy you know gets every place shot up but it's usually not applied that way it's usually like arbitrarily just like to someone like Geis or Kamara they look at him 
and they they see like he doesn't grovel for their approval he doesn't apologize for being into whatever he is and they go like "Mm, i don't know if i can trust this one and it's like all right well don't take the good player then but it has been really weird like seeing that this precipitous like downturn in Darius Geis's stock over over like off the field issues that aren't really like that big of a deal it's, or, like, it's, it's just it's a just different uh, just like it's anecdotal it's not really anything serious like I don't see where Darius Geis has done anything like actually wrong no he hasn't and it's just the Geis thing is like another side of the whatever eight-sided die of culture war grievances that these NFL people have. It's like Josh Rosen gets this side here and you flip it over here and he's a mouthy guy. Yeah. The, the, we, there's the Buddhist side. We don't like those. There's the, uh, the, the free thinker, the, the, the ones who ask questions, this side, there's this side for ones who wear a uh, colorful, colorful clothes. Um, and don't, uh, don't, don't sound like they're, you know, like they Robots. don't yeah they don't talk like they're in some sort of like mock trial or something at all the t- at all times so it's it's just there is that culture war sometimes they can resist it sometimes they really do let it get to them i think that was part of it a little bit too with dalvin cook um but yeah, there they, was a, they dropped him because yeah he had like the there was the saboteur in that case and that might be the same thing with guys they hated they hated the idea of like dalvin cook's old friends from from like florida state or, or from growing up in miami and i think that yeah like the, a similar sort of a baseless attachment over over like you know uh who Darius guys's friends are that's getting applied here and it doesn't make any sense either yeah it's weird and um I, I still feel like he's got a good shot at going to Carolina. I guess I'd be surprised at Detroit. I kind of expect Matt Patricia to take a defender with that pick because there's okay. a few good defensive linemen that they might be interested I've in. Seen, I've seen some Taven Bryan linkage. That would make a lot of sense because I don't even have an opinion on him, really. He doesn't... He, I don't he's, think he's as good as Deron Payne, personally. Well, it's like they, they're kind of different and... It seems like even Brian's proponents would concede that he has huge bust potential. Uh, it's like no one even really means to argue that he's actually good right now. They're just saying like, well, with these tools and you know his versatility, there's a way that this could turn out quite well. And they're right. Um, but it, it does seem like pain, at least people would be like, yeah, I don't worry about him getting cut in two years. It's like no. maybe he won't be a you know, eight to 10 sack kind of guy, but I don't worry about whether it'll be on the roster. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fair way of putting it. Um, so you, you think, uh, so Detroit, so that's, we'll, we'll say for now, mark that off as, as a place where a running back's probably not going. Um, so that would be you know, the like, second like, suspect though. Right. So then, then you're saying Carolina at 24 makes some sense, but then after that, I think we wait until, I think we do see a decent run on, on running backs early in the second round. I think if, for instance, if Barkley's gone by the time that Tampa Bay is, is picking, I think Tampa Bay takes the best running back available at 38. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, and I think Denver at 40 is also in play now that C.J. Anderson's gone. Um, I think that, that they're a team that, that could be on the lookout for a new running back too. Yeah, that's definitely the case. I I think Devontae Booker's serviceable, but he's not impressive exactly. No, he's, so. he, we knew that like when he was coming out too. It's like he's – like better than Jeremy Langford, but like not not <laughs> back when Jeremy Hart. Langford was good. Oh my gosh! Um, everyone agreed, but yeah, I think I think teams like the Patriots, even in the first round, I guess, could go after Geis too. It, it, they have a lot of picks to burn, and they know they have a short window with Brady at his age. So it's like if you have the short window, you're not caring as much about inefficient draft pick usage, especially when you know the one you're getting is stepping in and giving you immediate returns. Do you think that? uh michelle might might also be of interest to new england i should yeah uh seems like a lot of plugged in reporters are thinking he's the second running back picked i i guess i you know have to consider that possibility i'll still be surprised if he goes ahead of geis yeah i'll still be surprised (laughs) if he goes ahead of geis but maybe that's where it's going i don't know and uh it, it it wouldn't be surprising if there was an NFL team that was you know sitting in the first round and they've basically had this you know cramp in their gut since week one of when they the first time they saw Kamara in the Saints uniform and then they're just like oh really have to atone for that and then you know they kind of I I know I'm lower on Michelle than most people I just don't think there's much basis for him going in like the top twenty of a draft and yet it it seems like he's kind of trending toward that possibility somehow well I think. Less uh, less among the the top twenty. I'm not, I'm not 
that crazy about yeah about sorry i didn't mean to speak for you it's like but, but that is what other people are saying right that would that would honestly surprise me but i think you bring up a really good point with new england maybe like being a little bit more free swinging with what they have especially with it having the two uh first round picks so maybe at 31 michelle would be and then they may also read the temperature of the room and see that you know round two comes along uh Maybe in you know the Giants didn't take Barkley, so maybe the the Giants at 34, will take one at thirty four. Yeah. They'll absolutely take a running back, and then Indian or not Indianapolis, but like I was saying, uh, Tampa Bay and Denver. Indianapolis could they have two second round picks and uh, thirty six and thirty seven in a row? Yeah. So uh, especially if they trade back or if uh, if they trade back in the first round from six, they could you know start spending a, a lot of uh, less like. Uh, you know they have they have big needs in the offensive line, bunch of spots in the defense. But it's like if they have enough picks to rationalize taking a running back because they they managed to hit their other targets, then I think they might do it. Yeah, I could I could see that, and you know I I'm not necessarily of the belief that Marlon Mack is like the, the He's a right. permanent fixture there yeah. beyond like a third down or change of pace guy. So yeah, like you're like we were saying earlier, like there is a potential here with the way that the board could fall. Uh, where Indianapolis just has a ton, a ton of second round picks, and, st- and they already have you know three as it stands. This is pre uh, draft night, uh, could, so it could uh, stand to be even more. Uh, and then with that, I think that they would also be a candidate to take a running back. Let's let's shift gears uh, to receiver before yeah. we wrap things up. Um, all right, so who's the first one off the board and where, and then how many end up going in the first round? If Calvin Ridley's on the board at 19. He's going to Dallas. Yes. I, like, I just I'm don't like that with you there. Yeah, I don't think there's much. Like, it is so Jerry Jones to do this. And I don't even think it's like a bad pick or anything. It's just the specific circumstances they're looking at. It's this absurd thing that Jerry Jones recreates over and over and over where he goes into a draft just cornered into needing to take a certain position because he just blew up that position from spending too much money on a Dan Bailey or uh whatever uh i'm sure there's other burnout signings that they've had lately that i'm forgetting but they go into this draft you know cap strapped alan hearns is their number one receiver it's like do they really want to go into the second round with that still being the case i don't think so and uh ridley's an okay pick at 19 i don't think he's like a big value or anything i don't think he's going to change the game but uh he'll be their second best receiver at worst if they take him at 19 yeah I I like the things that he can do and I I do think that um for as much as this is you know kind of been bandied about I still think at the end of the day he's the first receiver off the board I'd be surprised if uh DJ Moore or Cortland Sutton ended up going ahead of him and then I also still think that uh as it stands I'd be surprised if Dallas isn't the first team to take a receiver I don't think any of those other guys are going ahead i will say if the colts trade back and they get buffalo's 22nd pick um i can imagine them at 12 taking somebody probably Cortland sutton but i think more likely he would go at 22 in that scenario after ridley if indianapolis had both those picks if they trade back with buffalo and and get get, yeah that makes sense um do you think buffalo addresses that or like you think that's i think they'd like to but they uh gotta get that golden boy and it's it's gonna come at the cost of other positions so what if they they got like uh what if they got like james washington in the second round or something yeah i don't know if they'll have their second round pick if they trade up but if they do i don't even know if it's gonna be james i think dj moore is uh, along with calvin ridley and sutton the first three receivers picked and i just don't know where they're gonna go because it's like I don't even have one of them ranked ahead of the other. It's just they do different positions, basically. Right. I So, yeah, basically of that top three cluster, I, I'd say Ridley to Dallas it, uh, feels pretty good. I, I'm not sure where the second one goes. Yeah, though. I have no I, idea either. I've seen some interesting mocks where, like, New Orleans goes after one after one of those guys, but I'm, I'm not totally sure so. about that. They um, signed I Meredith. Think, I feel good about Jacksonville taking one, but I guess my They're wild, actually deep there. But they, like they don't throw that much, and they have. I know Moncrief is a short-term deal, but it's like they have him. Lee's getting paid a decent amount. They played Westbrook and Cole quite a bit last year. I don't know. I mean, they could take one just because they don't really have needs as a team. Um, but yeah, if I'm Jacksonville in 29 and Mason Rudolph's still on the board, I'm just taking him. Yeah. Even if I'm tr- even if I'm going to trade him five minutes later, it's just 
put the, somebody is going to go into that range of the first round thinking like, all right, we got to get Mason Rudolph, and I bet it's like three teams. And if he's just if you just grab him, they're gonna get so desperate. Um, and if the, if no one does trade for him, good chance he's just starting for you next year, not this year, but the year after. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that it figure it's either quarterback, safety, or yeah, maybe receiver for Jacksonville. Okay, I I, I definitely see your uh, your point of view. Uh, there and then I guess after that who are the next two receivers to come off the board and like where do you think they might go well I think more goes along with the other two in the top three and I don't have any idea I mean there's a I could see Atlanta taking a receiver like I I know Sanu is there but he's just kind of like okay and he's probably like Matt Ryan's backup quarterback or something um so I had I had in my first mock. I don't know if if it'll end up this way again, and um, but I don't think that Torrey Smith is necessarily a permanent fixture in the Carolina offense. So I, I could see Carolina going. Receiver that would be too. the smart thing, I think. But Marty Herney, he's the same GM who was running it when they took uh, Jonathan Stewart, like it, within two years of taking D'Angelo Williams in the first round. And in that same offseason, I think gave Mike Tolbert like a five million dollar a year contract uh, to basically play running back too. Um, he was also the guy who kept taking like a uh, weak side linebacker. He took Shaq Thompson like four years in the first round before he he still hasn't replaced Thomas Davis. But like I guess it's going to happen this year just because of the suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, so he hates Cam Newton apparently. I don't know what else we're supposed to conclude. But if he is if he doesn't hate him anymore, maybe he does consider a receiver there. I think I think that would be awesome. And again, like for as good as Torrey Smith was in the playoffs I think that garnered him like a you know yeah he's he's not good there's no there's so much inconsistency I don't even know why he's so bad but man he was awesome at Maryland and even like his rookie year at Baltimore yeah no he had he had some good years in there but uh the the something's off now an issue um so yeah other than that like receivers uh I'm trying to go into the second round of this mock here uh not necessarily expecting a lot of receivers in the second round but after those top three it's probably like dj chart christian kirk in some order along with um i guess we could see Therese fountain going in the late second early third something like that um but yeah that's equimania st brown i think he goes in the third okay i think i think he's a totally good prospect but i can see him kind of just getting knocked for being like a I don't know, pretty boy or something. It's like he's uh the like the drop off in his production from his sophomore to junior year, and I think that there are plenty of legitimate reasons behind it that aren't necessarily his fault. But I think yeah. people like look at it, and it's like, and he did have some kind of disinterested body. Yeah, he's not a times. motor guy. No, so but like God, doesn't it's so intriguing mean. though. Like he's so he is young and too, and it's yeah. like sometimes. I mean, dude, I. I'm 30 pretty soon. I would be so lazy on the football field even now, but it's like sometimes these guys are 21 and they don't care. And then they're 23 or 24 and they just do all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It's like just because he's not a high motor guy doesn't mean he doesn't care. I mean, he's, he's obviously in good shape. Like he ran well at the combine. Uh, he was really productive at a young age uh, when he had not even that great of a quarterback play. It was Deshaun Kaiser, who was even as much as I liked him as a prospect, he was still objectively inaccurate. But right. yeah, otherwise, I mean, uh, pass catcher, as far as pass catchers go, Mike Gesicki to New Orleans makes so much sense, especially because they were pursuing Jimmy Graham when he was a free agent this most recent time around. Um, and otherwise, I'm and just going to say... They don't have to hustle him in because, you know, they got Ben Watson too. Right. So a bit of like an insurance policy. But otherwise, I just want to say like this Hayden Hurst talk is nonsense and it's ri- <laughs> it's just ridiculous, dude. What if it happens, man? Though, like, I mean, seems, he might. It smells like it's going to happen. He would be like the corollary of the Josh Allen, you know, like he he's he's like the tight end version of this, this you know, m- mental plague that these people have. Well, like there's some red hair coming out of his helmet, so it looks like his, he's playing with his head they on think, fire. They think he's Jeremy Shockey. That's what it is. They look at him and they think he's Jeremy Shockey because he just kind of has a similar body type and runs in a similar fashion. He's not Jeremy Shockey. Like he's he's pretty good. He's fine, but like it's just so weird how selectively they apply their stupid psychoanalysis standards too. Like if um, if it was if he was a quarterback. Uh, he would they would talk about how he had the yips as a pitcher and say like he's a coward. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the heart. Or they would just call him Brandon Whedon. Yeah, the yeah I guess so. But um, he he didn't have the the yips yips. Like there's this the, you look up Hayden Hurst and why he quit baseball and he's just like I got scared and it's like he just says he's scared and now they're like wait a second you're gonna be 26 in five months and you're you're scared 
oh, well, uh, we'll have to move you up three rounds then. <laughs> like, why? I don't get it. Like, I know they, that it's probably going to happen. Uh, he is fast, at least, but it's just... He's he's just okay. He's like a third round pick. I don't get it. I just I kind of just feel it like outside of Gesicki, really. I just kind of feel that way about this entire tight end. Yeah, like, I don't. I think like the the Dallas Goddard stands like that. He's fine too, but like none of these guys are you know guys that I would be taking anywhere close to the guys that came out last year. Right. I think uh, to me, Goddard Andrews are just like late second round prospects, and Hurst. Uh, is like mid third if he wasn't 25 i would have him higher but he you know he is older so yeah that doesn't mean he's going to be any more polished either it's like just because he's older doesn't mean he has more football skill like he's probably more raw from playing baseball yeah exactly he just you know he's really played three full seasons of, of football like, the best recently. the best uh former baseball prospect tight end in this class might actually be jordan akins from uh you us uh, ucf there we go uh yeah and he at least didn't get the yips as a pitcher like he was a center fielder so yeah you heard it here first first folks um so any other last thoughts you had before uh the big night uh can't wait for it to be over yeah that that's saturday when when you and i are on the grind getting all the player notes up that's uh that's one of the gnarliest days of the year, writing up like an Eastern Michigan guard that's getting like my senses just invert and I, I can't hear anything. Like I just hear like tinnitus, like it's just a little beep that and I, I realize like, oh, it's been 15 minutes and I'm drooling on myself <laughs> and got to keep typing though. Yep. It's going to be great. So that's going to be the scene around the office here at Roto HQ come Saturday, but we're going to have great draft coverage starting up. Uh, tomorrow, uh, when you when your mock goes up, I'm gonna have another mock draft up, and then we're gonna have, uh, like I said, coverage of all 256 picks up on the site with analysis and all that good right. stuff. So uh, get get uh, get excited for that because the draft is finally here. Uh, we'll do another one of these podcasts next week to kind of digest everything that happens over the course of the weekend. But that's gonna wrap things up for us today on the RotoWire NFL podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.